Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a devotional that will speak to you no matter what your current relationship is with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. A parent recently called and asked if I could meet uh, with them concerning their 17-year-old son who was being pretty antagonistic at home and engaging in some inappropriate behavior and copying an attitude with everyone in the family, um, started smoking pot and had pretty much become disobedient, dishonest, and disrespectful. But he was smoking a lot of pot. And it, and the mother stated that that she didn't know why their son was acting up as they had a very loving family, had been very diligent in lining out all the expectations for the family, and had raised their kid right. And then she showed me a four-page list of encouragement and requirements for their family that basically said what, what was each person's choice to live by the list, but if they didn't choose, they couldn't live at home. And I looked over the list, and I was a little surprised at the length of the compilation of of, of this thing. I mean, three pages. And so I'm going to read you 30 out of the 120 uh, listed items. Um, and and so and 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 during this, what I'm going to give you during. This special podcast is I'm going to give you three lists of three things, and I'll tell you when I get to them. But anyway, this list that this lady had lined out was so extensive. It went on and on and on and on and on, and it just didn't quit. But anyway, here's 30 of them. Date Christians only and only hang out with Christian kids. We want you to pray daily and go to church. This is an integral part of your life. Do chores promptly with a cheerful and positive attitude. Have at least one hobby you're always doing. Read a minimum of two books a month. Sundays are family time for rest and visit. Don't get into rut. Strive to be in a leadership position. Learn to have healthy relationships. Plan tomorrow the night before. It helps you become productive. Eat four fruits and five vegetables a day. Eat no more than one dessert a week. Maximum intake of red meat two times a week exercise three times a week for 45 minutes, drink eight glasses of water, keep yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually in shape, no sex before marriage, and no fast women, no tobacco or alcohol ever, no reckless driving, don't whine or play a victim, pick your friends with caution, be grateful, write thank you notes to anyone who gives you something, shower daily, nobody likes a stinky person, brush and floss your teeth at least two times a day, smile, it makes everyone feel better, happiness is a choice, so choose to be happy, tell your parents good morning and good night with a hug and a kiss. Dream big, sacrifice, work hard, don't quit, duplicate yourself or dedicate yourself to school work projects and work uh, and the Lord. No porn, no horror movies, and limit TV to five hours usage a week. This is only 30 of them. By the time I read the whole 120 of them, I wanted to smoke pot just like their son did. And as I read this list, one word kept coming to my mind and was just, wow. And dad sat there with his arms crossed and a look of disappointment in his son that that can be seen the minute that he walked into the building. And and mom sat waiting to hear what their son's problem was so that I can give him some direction how to correct it. 
So after talking a few more minutes, I said that I would like to meet with their son. And then as he came in the door, he was polite and, and very cordial and extremely engaging. And I asked him what had been going on in a split second. He pulled the four-page document out of his back pocket, tossed it on the table, and he said this. There was a little hint of humor, I felt, while thinking that this little document was one thing to one person and something completely and entirely different to somebody else. And when I asked him what he thought the problem with this 120-point collection of expectations, he emphatically, but he calmly stated this. Now, this is a crazy thing. This, I mean, this is a 17-year-old son. He's about to be 18 years old. But he said this, they try to control everything in my life. Everything I do right is under their control. So the only way that I can show any sort of control in my life is to do some things that are not so good and things that are beyond their control. I'd rather do wrong and be in control than do right and not be in their control. So the word came back to my mind where I just went, wow. And I really thought at that moment, you know, that's a chapter. Out of the mouth of this young man came the words that every parent could learn from. And it has to do with control. And so I'm going to tell you this, stop controlling and start trusting. There's a fruit, There's a, a scripture that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians um, 5, 22 and 23. says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So one of the goals that we're always striving for with our kids is to be in control. But they'll never be able to be in control of their lives if we always have control of their lives. Now, in all fairness to the parents in this situation, I, I have to say that everything they listed in, in this family belief system are good things and they're well intended. You know, there wasn't anything listed that any parent wouldn't want for their kids. And I only read you 30 of them. There are four times the amount. There were 120 of these things listed out. But there wasn't anything listed that any parent wouldn't want for their kids. And these parents put quite a bit of thought into determining what they wanted for their kids and putting it down on paper so that they would all understand. And I applaud them for that. But somewhere in the presentation, something so well-intended went terribly wrong because the interpretation was not what mom and dad hoped it would be. This young man heard the word control and wasn't about let anyone... Uh, derail his pursuit of gaining control of his life. So this document was presented one way and interpreted in an entirely different way. You know, this young guy is no different than any kid that I've known my whole life. And, and whether they're more immature than in past years, it really doesn't matter. The longing for teens are to be in control um, of their life. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that they've wanted. It's as old as dirt. You know, I met with a group of kids a few weeks ago and I asked them the question, what do you think about your parents controlling you? And I want to read you some of their comments because they're amazing. One girl said this, my parents and I were fighting, but for two different things. They were fighting for protection. I was fighting for control. Another kid said this, he said, they wouldn't let me do anything. And they would never give me a reason why, but I kept thinking I'm 18 and they treat me like I'm 12. 
Somebody else said they never trusted me to do anything, so I started to take control of my life behind their back. Somebody else said I started smoking just to prove to my parents that it was one area of my life they didn't control. And when they grounded me for smoking, I felt good because I knew I was in control of my life. Somebody else said I wanted to prove to my parents that they couldn't control me. I think that's why I tried to kill myself. Somebody else said I felt alive when I was in control and everyone except my parents knew me as one who could be in control. Somebody else said, my parents are control freaks. They trust no one. They'll never trust me. So I quit listening to them long ago. And here's a final one. It says, the tighter they clamped down, the more I wanted to fight back. And most of the problems I have in life are because of my parents. They didn't train me. They ruined me all because they wanted to be in control. Do you think kids want to be in control of their life? Well, sure they do. And deep down, I think we all as parents would say that, that we want them to be. But yet somewhere in between thinking it and giving it, there's a breakdown between thought and action. And I think this is the reason why. Adolescents are selfish. They think about themselves and, and many wake up every morning with an attitude that says, hey, what are you going to do for me today? And in an effort to combat their selfishness, parents take control and try to prove to them that they need to think of others. They're not in control. They'll submit to authority, and they're going to learn to respect being told what to do. So in an attempt of helping them become selfless and rid them of their self-centered mentality, parents take control and undermine their own efforts to give their kids control. And then they take control in more ways than just limiting privileges or taking away objects of their desire to show consequence or inappropriate behavior. Control of your child can be shown through threats, name-calling, blaming, ridicule, mind games, jealousy, sarcasm, isolation, economics, domination, intimidation, and verbal and physical assaults. And when parents exert control through these means... It's not really that hard. Parents then battle against selfishness, and their kids interpret it as an assault on their control. So the battle begins. The fight is on, and usually it's the parents who lose. And I've said this for years, that, that I've only met four or five kids, you know, of the six, 7,000 kids that I've dealt with, that I would say are rebellious. All, all of these others have been responding, responding to situations in their life, and most of those are fighting for control. You know, this selfishness issue will take care of itself one day through social interaction, through a teacher's directives, through a boss's comments, or just natural or agreed-upon consequences. The battle of helping a child realize their selfishness it's just a small skirmish compared to the war that could develop from not giving territorial control. So here's the first list I'm going to give you. Teens want three things. One, they want to make decisions about themselves. Two, they want to feel like they're in control. And three, they want opportunities to prove their maturity and show parents that they can do it. Now, let me ask you, don't you want the same? <laughs> you know you do. 
You do because you want your child to make a good choice about a spouse. You want them to be able to choose which direction to take when confronted with alternatives. And you want them to be able to say no because it's a good decision. And I'd say yes just because they want to prove to you that they can make decisions for themselves. You want them to be in control enough to choose the right path when some young man wants to get in your daughter's pants or your son is making the decision as to whether to smoke pot or not. You want them to take control because you don't want to control them when they reach majority and leave home. They'll learn to make decisions when you give them the opportunity to exercise their decision-maker at a young age, beginning at age 12, and increasingly give them more decisions each year so that by the time they reach age 18, they're making them all on their own. Now, they may be coming to you to seek wisdom on what decisions to make, but the plan must be to have them making all their decisions so they're ready to take that next step in life. So, And this is where the scripture that says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. It speaks loudly to every controlling parent. My encouragement would be to, you know, to start early transferring control so they get in the practice of making decisions. And the more they practice, the better they'll be at making decisions later when the repercussions of those decisions are greater and potentially more damaging. Okay, here's the second list. I'm going to say give it to them. Quit controlling and start trusting. But here's the second list. Here's the number one question. Are you afraid that they're going to make mistakes? And I'll assure you, sure they will. Sure they will. It will give you plenty to talk about, but don't shame them. Use it as an opportunity to help them make a better decision in the future and allow the results of foolish decisions to be their teacher. So, so don't rescue them from the consequences of poor judgment because too often parents are so afraid that their child may make a life-damaging mistake that they don't let their, their kids do the hard work of growing up. To maintain order and pursue a steady course, parents will often try to control everything. Then they complain that their teens are lazy and aimless and unmotivated because you haven't given them the opportunity. Here's the second question. Do you think they're not ready? Well, of course they're not ready. The only way they will be is to give up control a little bit of a time, thus giving them control at the same pace so they become ready. And don't force them to have to rebel to gain control of new territory that will eventually be theirs anyway. And here's the third question. Do you think they'll get hurt if you give them control of your life? You know, I've never met a teen that hasn't felt the hurt from a decision they made because it didn't turn out the way they thought. But I've seen way too many kids turned adults that are spinning out of control because they never had control. And that's why it's important for kids to start learning to make decisions early. The longer you wait to give them the opportunity to start taking control of their life, the greater the pain will be when one of their decisions backfires. This is, this is really where overprotection backfires. When the need to protect a child from making an immature decision could cause pain in their life is deferred to a later time when consequences for poor decisions could have a catastrophic and lifelong effect, 
overprotection really isn't protection at all. Many times a parent's desire to protect their child supersedes the greater need to prepare their child for the world that they will live. And it centers on giving them control of their life. So, you know, I want you to know this about kids. Kids are resilient. They adapt. They step up to the plate and swing, and they may not get a hit every time, but they're courageous enough to get in the batter's box. They learn quickly. They want to be in control of their life. They want to make decisions. They want to make you proud. And they do want to live up to your expectations, but they want to do it with them in control, not you. So perhaps the greatest roadblock for parents in turning control over the child is usually an issue of three areas of trust. Okay, here's the third list. I told you I was going to give you a three list of three. So here's the third list. Number one, trusting kids is tough. And this is, this is what I trust about teens. They will make poor choices. They will wreck the car. They will lie when pushed into a corner. They will make mistakes. They will blow it many times. They will get angry. They will say things they wish they hadn't, and they they won't always treat people the way they should. But just because I don't really trust that they'll do everything perfect doesn't mean that I don't give them the opportunity to take, take control of their life. And And this is what I do trust, that they will act like a teen during their adolescent years. So one, trusting kids is tough. Two is this, trusting what you have taught your kids is paramount. The fact that you're listening to me right now speaks volumes to the high probability that you've done a wonderful job in teaching your kids well during their elementary school years. So now start trusting that all those seeds that you've sown in their life will come to fruition. Know that God promises to complete that which he has started. And the truth that your kids have learned will always and eventually win out. Even seeds sown that landed on rocky ground just need a little gust of wind or maybe a little manure to create an environment of growth. Trust what you've done. Here's the third thing of the list of three. Trusting God's involvement in the life of your kid is imperative. I want you to know this, that God wants good things for your child. And, and, and just as he will never leave us, he will never leave them. And in your absence, he will be there for them, reminding them of all the lessons you've taught, of all the decisions they have to make, and encouraging them to choose wisely. Hey, if, if trust is the reliance on the integrity, the strength, and the ability of a person, and having confidence... Um, and that person, I put more of my chips on two and three and accept that number one uh, is a training exercise. So I would say yes, that, that above everything else, that trusting what your kids have been taught is paramount. And then you trust God, uh, his involvement in the life of your child. Number one is really just that, as I said, that training exercise that that where you learn that trusting kids is tough. So make a plan today to give over one thing every few months to your child 
and let them make more and more decisions concerning their life and their future. And, and so start with a little thing and and progress to larger decisions. And, and, and sure, th- there has to be parameters and boundaries, but try to find a way to let them know your intent, a parameter and boundaries is to transfer control from you to your child and present it to them in a way that they know that your desire, desire is about about having them take control of their life and not about you wanting to control them. So when your child, even at age 12, begins to understand that you are for them making decisions, you are for them taking control of their life. You are for them developing their independence. You are for them in making good decisions. And you are for them showing you how they can do it. And if you do those things, then you'll have a child that responds to your correction, to your input, to your wisdom, in a relationship that draws them to you. And I'll say it again. Wow. Wow. Hey, stop controlling and start trusting. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.